This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes to... the Oscar to... goes to... Gentlemen, my only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Could have been a contender. Fasten yourself. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm going to make him an offer. Oh, really? Love is his ass. Love. Too weak a word. Stay back. I, I love you. No, I love you. I, I love you. I did as you saw. Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that? Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to The Shape of Water. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 113 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host Matt Neglia and joining me today I have Ryan C. Showers. Happy Halloween everyone. I also have Katie Schaefer. Hello, hello. Tom O'Brien. Hey. And the recently... Newly, as of last night, wedded Ryan McQuaid from In Session Film, everybody. Congratulations, sir. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And thank you, Matt, for having me on. Um, yeah, it's it's been a crazy 24 hours, 48 hours, whole week. I, I mean, like, you, you must have married the most incredible person that she is letting you do this on the day after <laughs> your wedding. I mean, like... Oh my gosh! And also, I, I I appreciate the devotion and love that you're showing us by doing that too. Well, you know, um, she is a very understanding person. Uh, we've been together a very long time, and now we'll be together a very long time. That's sweet. Um, but you know, she's she's passed out. She's sleeping right now. So, um, and she's not gonna wake up for probably half the day. So that means uh, I get to go back to doing what I always love doing is talking about the Oscars and talking about movies and. Uh, but yeah, yesterday was great. I got to marry my best friend. So That's really, really nice. Um, well, Ryan, when it comes to podcasting and everything else that you do on film Twitter and at In Session Film, why don't you let our listeners know who you are and what you're all about? Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, um, you know, I was mostly just like a, a watcher of, of films and, you know, I would, you know, like us all debated a bunch of our friends and then last year i just said to hell with it and i'll start my own podcast so i started a podcast uh it was called what should have won and it was an oscar podcast and you go you know back in time and you know it was a little bit like you know kevin jacobson's podcast only you know we did the whole oscars uh instead of just like you know the best picture and i had my friend james on and and we did that and matt we had you uh on for one episode Mm mm-hmm and uh, and then I had JD on for one episode for Avengers Infinity War, and JD and I got along real great. And um, due to scheduling and whatnot, James and I couldn't do it anymore, uh, our podcast. But um, JD was very nice and said, uh, "Would you like to come and join in session film and uh, do the extra film segment?" Um, and uh, and I said, "Yeah, sure." Um, and so I've been doing that with Jay Ledbetter, who's over at the um, 
you know, the filmography podcast for Film Inquiry. And we hit it off so well that I became his co-host on that. <laughs> so, um, but then also JD and I were talking because um, everyone knows how much I, I love the Oscars. I think we all love the Oscars. And uh, so JD and I came up with this new show that we do. And it's kind of bonus and we do it every two weeks. But it's our Chasing the Gold uh, Oscar podcast for In Session Film. And uh, I had Mr. Tom O'Brien on for the first episode. And then um, to all your listeners out there, we also had Michael, Michael Shorts, on um, on the second episode. And so um, kind of keeping it in the In Session Next Best Picture family. Uh, so um, for the first couple episodes and hopefully many more after that. But yeah, um, I love talking about this stuff. And and um, it, I also write reviews for In Session Film too. And uh, it's this has kind of been a crazy whirlwind dream over the last you know months or so being a part of it. But I'm truly honored and, and blessed to be part of such amazing writers and and uh, podcasters out there. Well, we're really certainly happy to have you on today. I'm going to open it up to the rest of the room right now. Does anyone have any questions for Ryan as it pertains to his love of film and the Oscars? Well, I it's inter- I was curious as to uh, how Chasing the Gold came about. Why, why that angle? Well, because uh, I've always been interested in roundtable discussions. Um, I think the best kind of discussions are handled when you sit around kind of a table or whatnot and you just kind of hash everything out and you put it all out there and then we all do predictions so the the way the show is set up is that we do um one topic per episode because that can cover enough as tom knows (laughs) um and um so like for example on tom's episode we did the best picture race and there's some predictions on there that have kind of been dated already uh, by yours truly. As per usual with the, with the race. <laughs> yeah, said the guy right over here that, you know, has black uh, clans been at his number one slot um, at the time. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, it's still not a it's still not far out there, but um, probably a little bit less. If Spike wins adapted and they happen to give him director as well, I'm just saying it's not far fetched. But I mean, I think we're all stuck in this uh, a star is born craze um, at the for moment. Now. So for now, uh, hopefully that passes um, because then that doesn't make for an interesting race, um, in my opinion. But yeah. And so, you know, me and J.D. talked about it and it was to set up kind of have two or, you know, three guests or even just one guest talk to him about a certain aspect of the race and then get predictions on it and kind of make the second segment a little bit funner than the first. But yeah, it was, it was something I just thought about and, and JD went with it and was very, he's very, very gracious to allow me to do it to begin with. Well, I want to ask you, uh, right here, right now, actually, um, as of today, what is your current winner for best picture? As we like to ask here on the next best picture podcast, what is the next best picture winner? Well, um, I mean, that's really tough. I know that everyone's kind of been jostling between, um, for, you know, people were saying first man or black Klansman. I know a lot of people are saying either Roma or they're saying, uh, definitely a star is born. And I just put my cards out on the table. Cause, um, I know a lot of, uh, people know this already. I was not a big fan of A Star Is Born. Um, I was very disappointed by the film. 
Um, I see that the performances are very good. Um, the direction's okay. Um, the the middle bit just kind of took me out of it. And um, so, but it doesn't mean I didn't like things. And I think the first half's very good. I think the second half is very problematic. Much like another Best Picture nominee a couple years ago in La La Land. Um, and I think maybe it's, I'm just very critical of quote-unquote musicals. Um, being like that was one of the big genres when I grew up. Uh, along with westerns and um, and like James Bond films, if that makes any sense. Um, but those are none of those are my favorite uh, right now. Um, and uh, my best picture right now is if if Bill Street could talk. Mm. I think Barry's going to have a wave, uh, like he always does, and he's um, and this film's going to hit the zeitgeist and it's going to be powerful. Uh, man, I know you've seen the film. Everyone that I talked to about if Bill Street could talk. Um, has said that that film is is fantastic. It's my number two favorite film of the year. And and the thing about that was is I mean we heard from a lot of people saying that you know it wasn't very good or it's just not as good as Moonlight or blah 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 blah. But then people started seeing it and everything changed. And Barry's going to be everywhere like he always is. You know it's going to get. I think it's going to get director for him nomination. Um, and then of course the screenplay. I think that that's pretty much a lock. And then it could start getting some of those actor nominations as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, how many of us have Regina King winning right now? Right here. I do. I do. Yes, I do. I think she's like my number two. Behind. I think Claire Foy might scoop it. <sighs> Ooh, Ryan's got some thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm going to reserve um, my comments. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I'm not saying whether or not she deserves it. I'm saying that that's how I think the Academy might lean. Whether or not she deserves it is an entirely different discussion. No, Claire Foy, you know, to Ryan's point about like Barry Jenkins having a wave, Claire Foy is also on a wave right now. And that is something to definitely be considered at this early stage right now. I personally don't think it will carry her to a win, but I think a nomination is definitely in the cards for sure. Hello everyone, this is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay, yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father, after all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one... Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not kidding? how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? okay? That's what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't buy it that. That's just how <laughs> it works. Uh, I just want to move over, actually, to some of our points of uh, conversation here as it pertains to the Oscar race, because um, one thing that we typically do a lot over the uh, over here at Next Best Picture, and we've been doing this over the last couple of weeks, is we talk a lot about the main categories as, as we just were, Best Picture, Acting, Directing. What I want to do 
right now for this episode to start things off here. And we have Ryan here, so maybe he can provide uh, some some insight as well. I want to talk about the tech categories right now. I want to talk about how everybody's feeling about some of the techs today. And I know that this is something that is kind of changing back and forth little by little every day. And it's also different because new films are being released. People are seeing some of the new movies. So everything's kind of, you know, ebb and flow at the moment. But let's start off with um, actually with best film editing right now. I want to take a look at that and I want to ask everyone uh, what they currently have predicted for best film editing. I have my predictions up, so um, I'll, I'll go if everyone wants to take a minute to yeah. think about it. Um, you know, despite First Man's box office severely underperforming, I do think it's going to be um, a big player in the text, and I do have it in my number one slot. Um, I think, I mean, objectively, it's a really complicated film to edit, and I think that shows. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it will stay at the winner in my predictions until um, February. I mean. The movie is really struggling at the box office. I don't know how its buzz is going to take shape after um, we get into November. But right now I have it predicted for the win. Then I have A Star is Born, Vice, Roma, and um, If Beale Street Could Talk with The Favorite and Black Klansman um, after that. I do have First Man as well in my win slot at the moment. But I, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons made about First Man to films like Hacksaw Ridge and Dunkirk where it's not seen as the quote-unquote winner for like picture and director, but it cleans up in the text. You know, Hacksaw Ridge won Best Sound Mixing and Best Film Editing. Dunkirk last year won Editing and Both Sounds. And I think that that's where First Man is heading this year is it looks like it's in a key position to take both sounds and film editing. However, I would say watch out for – I would say watch out for two things right now. I would say watch out for A Star is Born to possibly win in film editing. And I say this because there are some key editing moments in A Star is Born that are used for maximum emotional impact. And – I've been having this really, really weird feeling about Black Klansmen lately, not just in film editing, but in general. Mm. I've just been having this very, very odd feeling about it in its place in the race right now. And that's something that I could see as a surprise if the Academy was going to be so bold. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about Black Klansmen, Matt, to your point, is that this was a film that we were all raving about just a couple weeks ago really in a lot of categories. And it's kind of when other films like A Star is Born or First Man or even some of the film festivals came out, it started becoming very forgotten. But it's a, I think it's a very well-edited film. I have it in like um, one of my bottom five. I have it in sixth place right now. And what I don't like is I don't like that I have Vice in my predicted five for editing, even though I haven't seen it. And that's something I just don't like doing well, so much. Vice is weird because we don't know exactly what we're getting with it. I mean, it could hit like American <laughs> Hustle and get 10 nominations, or it could be like the post and get two. We don't know. Yeah. And, but, but there's enough room where it, it, it could possibly have a great score and have really great editing. We just don't know at this point. So I think it's okay to just take a leap with it. Um, but, Ryan, to your point about Black Klansmen, though, yes, it has faded from the discussion because other films have kind of come up and bubbled to the surface. 
and I get like I get I understand where you're coming from, and I feel like what you're saying is, oh well, we shouldn't forget about Black Klansman because we did see it, you know, before the festivals. But doesn't that speak to its hype and its place in the race? The fact that it is being forgotten. I mean, I think A Star Is Born really fended off First Man and didn't let First Man overtake its buzz a week after you know that came out. So I mean, I don't know. I think if we're forgetting about it, it's because it's for a reason. I mean, it's because I, there are other films that are important and that are taking buzz away from it. No, it I, I see your point. Yep. Yeah, I, I see I, your point there, Ryan. But I, I think that the the thing about that is, is we haven't seen the true campaigning starting. And Spike Lee during screenings and all that was everywhere. He's going to be everywhere for this film. I, I do think that we are underestimating Black Klansman. It is going to be a big player in a lot of categories. Um, editing is a, is a place where it could fit in. Um for you know, and if we're fitting the narrative of that Spike is, you know, coming back and and he could get the director and the adapted screenplay, well then we you know we can assume that he's going to be the film's going to be in there for editing, and well, I and I and I think I think we're also sleeping, and I know Matt we're talking about the text, but I think John David Washington we're sleeping on him for best actor, and of course Adam Driver and supporting actor, I think we're sleeping on this film. I think it I think it makes. The, the 10 or 8 or whatever, you know, um, for for picture. I think it's in there right now. Well, after I saw it, I, I knew that it was definitely going to be a picture contender because how could you watch that ending montage sequence and exactly. not immediately feel passionate enough to want to put that as your number one favorite film of the year, just from a passion standpoint? I I, I think the big question for me is, is will focus – does Focus have an idea of bringing it back into the conversation? They're very savvy. Look what they did with uh, Phantom Thread last year and uh, also Darkest Hour. Mm. Uh, that was that was kind of thought to be a makeup-only nomination and, and, of course, actor. But it wound up getting a whole bunch, and, and Focus wound up really getting far more than anybody thought for Phantom Thread. They could do it again for Black Landsman, and I'm sure with the August release, they've got a game plan. Yeah. But that, that it does have an August release. So let's not, like, I mean, let's not pretend that, like, whenever The Favorite comes out or The Mule or Vice, those are going to be the movies that we're talking about or, and that are at the center of the hype. And I don't know. I just think I... Let's, I let's also remember, too, that nobody is talking about The Mule for picture, director. It's really being focused slowly on clint right now and the thing about vice that uh, and cooper and cooper uh, yeah and i guess cooper to an extent too and the thing about vice that i've been um kind of toying with in my mind is i'm kind of preparing myself for a world where vice is poorly received by critics and what does that mean then for its place in the race i mean it was i mean the big short was a divided film i mean i know a lot of people that really love that film uh like myself i i i've rewatched it a couple weeks ago, which is a really hard rewatch by the way, guys, but it's, it, it's so, it's such an interesting film that, um, I just, I kind of have clips on in the background and then you get sucked into the film and I like Adam McKay's style with it. And I think that he's going to bring kind of a similar style device, but I know it was also such a big divisive film. So, you know, you, you have vice, which is a very, you know, divisive person in Dick Cheney, and you know, it goes to the question of can he pull it all together? I know that this was, we've heard all the rumors of the musical numbers and all the flashbacks and all this stuff. I, I mean, the trailer seemed very straightforward, um, but we, it's the big unknown. 
to me. I think, you know, the mule, the mule is, is going to be, you know, classic Clint, you know, coming in at the, on this, you know, unforgiven Horace at the last second, but vice is still, you guys are right. The, the big, the big question in all this. Yeah. And I didn't mean those films specifically, but I'm just saying we have so many best picture contenders to, that are going to be released theatrically that everybody's going to be going off on their own talking about it where I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard for a film that wasn't before October to get a release date. I mean, to get a, well, to get a best editing I mean, nomination. Well, there is, there is black Panther. I but mean, to get a best editing nomination. I think it's hard for a film released before October. To I, I, I'm going to disagree with that. Uh, Ryan completely. Um, I actually think texts are where, films released earlier in the year have a more likely chance to show up. In fact, you know, even though it doesn't look like Paramount's launching a campaign for Mission Impossible Fallout, that's a film that could show up still in one of the sound categories or A Quiet Place or Black Panther, as we just talked about a second ago. You know, these these are all films released early on and they stand a really great chance of showing up in things like production design, costume design, visual effects, et cetera, et cetera. See, what do you guys think about Roma for film editing? Um, as someone who's seen it, I, I don't think it's going to win. Yeah. Cause see, I haven't had a chance to seen it yet. So that's what I, that was, that's my number one right now. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, is that nobody's mentioning anything? About I, I had it, it in so. the spot for a while, but um, after seeing, how first man was cut, especially like in those cockpit sequences and oh, God, yeah. with the sh- uh, rattling camera mm-hmm. and how it's just shaking the whole time. And for the edits to cut where they do and for us to not get completely taken out of the sequence because of a jarring edit with so much movement going on, that's very masterful cutting. And I mean, there's obviously the spliced in images of uh, his daughter you know, used for emotional impact. I, I can't see how they pass that up unless if unless if a star is born is going to sweep. I don't yeah, see that happen. I don't see that happening. Oh, be prepared, my friend. It's <laughs> I think you good, just don't but... want it to happen, Ryan. I think you yeah. Let, let me let me also let me also put it this way to just give some uh to give some evidence to this. Best sound mixing. Now I know I know we just said a minute ago that first man is probably going to do well in the sound categories, which it very well could. But if there's going to be a split in the sound categories, I think it's very wise to think that A Star Is Born or Roma could also take sound mixing over First Man. There's a history of musicals winning this category. Especially this mm-hmm. decade. I mean, Les Mis and La La Land both won. No, La La Land lost to Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, gosh, sorry. Yeah. Les Mis, what else? Les Mis. I don't know. Chicago, Moulin Rouge. I mean, Moulin Rouge did not win. It didn't. Oh, no, it won costumes and sets. Ryan, musicals don't do as well in this category as you think. (laughs) I guess not. Wow. All right. Wow. They get nominated a lot, but winning, I think, is something that um, has definitely, you know, fallen off a little bit in, in recent years. Hmm. What do we what do we think about widows in this spot? I mean, in, you know, Matt, you've seen the film. What do you think about its editing chances? I have sadly not. Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, <sighs> I, no, I just brought up last night. I just oh. brought up bad feelings for Matt. I'm sorry. Katie, what do you think of I, it? McQueen knew exactly how he wanted that to look, and it is great. There's a lot of really uh tense moments that are made better because of how he uses the camera. There's lots of uh, swirling camera movement, 
because there's a lot of tense scenes in that one. So he handles it really well. And I think it's definitely a contender. It's- so the big question I have then is, is Widow's uh, contender and things that we're not, you know, thinking about right now, like cinematography, score for Hans Zimmer, um, the sound, the editing, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, like, is it a contender across the board or is this strictly like a picture director acting and screenplay sort of thing? Like, can it get broad support in the text? I think it can get it for film editing and cinematography. I think that's where it excels. Hans Zimmer's score is good, but it's pretty understated. So it's not enough to push it, probably even for a nomination. But when chose to use really uh, cinematography, but it blends really well with the intensity of the story. So I think it definitely stands a chance at a nomination and quite possibly at a win. Just... Really depends on how the audiences and the critics and then most importantly, the Academy voters take it. All right. Um, I want to move over to a category that's been confusing me a lot. And I want to know what you all think about it. Best visual effects has been giving me a headache because a lot of films have uh, dropped out of the race here. Um, Attila Battle Angel is no longer here. Ad Astra is no longer here. And I'm left with this weird scenario where First Man is not really like a visual effects heavy film. And like, I, I just don't know what to make of this category because it's like Black Panther's visual effects are not outstanding. I don't know if it would win here because of that. And I, I my, my default is kind of Avengers Infinity War because it's still the best visual effects work I think I've seen this year. And that feels weird because they've never rewarded Marvel f- before in this category. So, like, I- I'm at a loss. W- what does everyone else think? I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, but maybe this is the year to reward Avengers since that's the only category they're campaigning for that film. Yeah. And it is kind of the big one, you know. And this is their the start of the the start of the end of this series. So this is their 10 year anniversary. There, yeah, you know what? I, I mean, like, I can get down with a narrative. Especially considering Thanos is like one of the most fully realized CGI creations of the year. But then again, so was Caesar in the Planet of the Apes films, and they didn't win for a single film. So, Matt, what about Annihilation? This wouldn't be the fir- this wouldn't be the first time. Ooh, I was I just going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah, and so was I. <laughs> I have it in for a nomination right now, and I mm-hmm. as I look at our predictions on the website. I don't know why others are not considering it. I have it. Because you want to talk about a film that had heavy passion earlier in the year. That film is still very much beloved by a lot of people, and I could very easily see it showing up here. I have it in my 10 best uh, so far, and I think it'll probably stay because it's up high enough. Uh, Oscar, this is the only category I think it really will compete in. Speaking of passion um, and films released earlier in the year, too, I think it was Will Mavity who brought this up to us in a group chat conversation, and it made complete and total sense to me when he said it. What do we think about Paddington 2 showing up in visual effects? Oh, my right. God. I would love that. Oh, I think it's likely. <laughs> that would be so good. Oh, If Michael were here, he would he would endorse that, and he would say, oh, Mary Poppins is going to win. He actually has Mary Poppins uh, winning right now. Yeah. Yeah, when I watched that new trailer – with all the, you know, hand-drawn CGI, like kind of like the first film, I was, I 
you know, usually never get caught up in nostalgia like everyone else. No one gets caught up in nostalgia, right, guys? Um, <laughs> but um, I was like, oh, my God, now I have to see this movie like the minute it comes out because I grew up watching Mary Poppins and it, it is such a great film. And I didn't know how they were, you know, Rob Marshall was going to do this film, to be honest with you, how he was going to do all that. And it, it just it leans on that nostalgia so well in the trailer i think it's going to do really well i mean there are two films that we haven't that we kind of mentioned one of them earlier matt um and then the other one i i think that that's probably going to get in the one that is i think probably going to get in is probably ready player one yeah i think that that one's a lock to get in at this point um because regardless of what we think of the film i i think the film is one of the worst films i've seen this year but the visual effects in that are great. And if you just show the shining sequence alone, it's strong enough to get, I think, the nomination. But the real winner for me this year for visual effects, and they're not campaigning for it, is Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm. That film, to me, has the best visual effects of any film since Mad Max Fury Road. Now, is that because of how well they blend the practical with the visual that you don't even really see the visual effects? Absolutely. And and that's and that's my comparison with this film is that, you know, Paramount doesn't realize that they've got a good player here and they've got something that could be like Mad Max, where it makes a lot of, you know, waves in the technicals or even like uh, Blade Runner uh, 2049 last year made a lot of waves in the technicals. Um, And I don't understand why they're they always give up on this franchise and yet everybody loves it. And it plays well. Will Mavity wrote an article earlier this year talking about how it's mind-boggling that Mission Impossible does not have a single Oscar nomination for the entire franchise. Yeah, and I mean, this one is a culmination of the franchise, really. When you you know, we've all seen it, I, I believe, and it it feels like why wouldn't they try to push this at a certain point? I mean, I'm not saying that you, you know cruise for best actor or anything like that i'm just saying like the strongest point of this and what they market is the practical we tom does all this you know the stuff hanging off of this and that and this it makes sense for them to push this and yet they don't seem to want to get in the mud at all you know you just brought up an interesting point something that it's not an oscar category but i'm just curious if anyone else has given this any thought um do we think mission impossible fallout is winning stunt ensemble at SAG? Yes. I can't think of anything that touches it this year. Yeah. Mm. Katie? Yeah, probably. All right. Uh, I want to move over to a big category um, that gets a lot of discussion every year in the text. Best Cinematography. Because this is another one where I almost don't know what to do. Because it's kind of easy to check off Roma as the winner. But... Like we, like we kind of talked about earlier with A Star is Born, Matthew Lipatique is a really well-known cinematographer who doesn't have a win. And that movie, I, I don't know, like, Ryan, you're, you're the one on the show who didn't like it uh, that much. Do you at least admit that it's lensed well, or do you not like the look of it either? Um, I like the look of scenes. <laughs> no, I like um, – sorry, guys. I, I know I'm going to be that guy. I'm, I'm not going to be you know that person like you know a lot of people were with La La Land, even though I was one of those people with La La Land. So there's and a trend Moonlight. here. Yeah. I do like Moonlight better. And here's what I think is going to win Best Cinematography, and I think it's going to be if Bill Street could talk. I think that that is, to me – you know, I haven't seen the film, obviously, but that's my pick 
based off just the trailer alone, is the most beautiful thing I've seen. Um, I think also the favorite could play well. I mean, obviously Roma. You know, we mentioned Roma um, in this, but yeah, I think I think A Star Is Born gets the nomination. I think that. I mean, it's going to get a lot of nominations, guys. So I will say this: uh, Roma, A Star Is Born. If Beale Street could talk in the favorite, I think are kind of locked and loaded for cinematography nominations. Yeah, and we have one spot to fill. Uh, yeah, and I think that fifth slot is like really kind of all over the place. And I'm just curious what everyone has in that fifth slot right now. Um, I have Cold War. Um, I know a lot of people are going to put First Man in by default. And mm-hmm. while it's aesthetically pleasing, some shots especially, um, like they're really great. I don't think that the Academy is going to go for the shaky, the shaky handheld camera. Um, work um, so and I actually just for a note A Star is Born was uh, the cinematography was my favorite aspect of um, that movie and I love that movie a whole heck of a lot and um, Matthew Libetic, um he shot one of my favorite movies of the decade Black Swan and mm. I rest how he never won for Black Swan I just not, I still never know well I mean that was a really really tough year with Inception and True Grit I mean and Black Swan's a hard film to sell to the academy very much so true, it's, true, it's amazing true. that it even got the nominations that it did in the end when you look back on it um that'd be like it, it would almost be like if suspiria <laughs> were to get pictured director oh my gosh yeah i know more on that in a little bit in looking at cinematography i too have cold war in the fifth slot but i am going to just say for the record watch out for the ballad of buster scrug showing up here okay you you think so i think that mm. Del Bunnell's, uh work in that movie is very, very, very colorful, gorgeous. It has a lot of different color palettes because each story is distinct in some sort of way. And it provides for a lot of variety. It, it could show up. That's exciting to hear. I have a different pick than Cold War. I have um, – I think you have to look out for – this isn't my pick, but I think you have to look out for Green Book just because I think Green Book's going to get a big wave of nominations. No, 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 there. that's not that, that. I mean, I, I think it, I mean, Matt, we've seen bad nominations before based off wave. I think it could. Um, and, I, and I think to Katie's point, also, Widows could be a player in here. But I have at Eternity's Gate. I just saw that at NYFF. And while I do think the camera work is interesting, to say the least, I can't that's a movie i just can't see academy members going for ryan have you seen green book i have not seen green book yet but i just i have i mean it really was a surprise out of toronto and those surprises carry a wave i think that they're going to campaign the snot out of it yes and i think it's it's going to be a big player like you know talk Uh, about big players it's going to be there and this is not a tech film though trust no. me i know it's yeah. i know it's not a tech film mm-hmm. but sometimes films that we say aren't a tech film squeeze in a, a random nomination every every couple of years um and i you know it could it'd be like you're thinking of classic throwback films i think I'm from like, like the 80s throwback, and 90s I think, yes i'm thinking i mean i don't i know it's it's the cliche to say this about this film because you know that's what everyone said about it and then they went and saw it and they were crying in the aisles about you know that it was basically a new version of Driving Miss Daisy even though my, Driving Miss Daisy didn't get you know best director, um, you know I think sometimes classic old school throwback films will get a nomination like this though I think this film is a little bit probably from what I've heard and talked with so many people about that seen Green Book. 
that it's it's better than those. And it's really carried by the performances, obviously, um, the screenplay. Um, and, I mean, the, it's weird to say that a Farley Brothers film is in the Oscar race. Um, you know, but, I, I mean, it, it could. I mean, it's these films this year are going to be about about the the ride if it were like we're talking about first man and ryan mentioned the the box office look i loved first man okay it's it's one of my top 10 films of the year so far slowly creeping up there for me okay i do see the claire foy problems but you know i she's fine in the film and i think she does a great job of what she's given that being said i think it's a technical marvel but it's not like dunkirk last year to me I think it could lose a lot of steam, not because of A Star is Born, just because it could lose itself out of the conversation, while Green Book could stay in the conversation based off of the acting nominations and the Farley narrative and all this other stuff and build up you know, nominations where we're like, how did that film get that or this? It, it, to me, I, I don't know. I just I see a world where something like that could happen. I mean, last year I was the proponent. Matt knows this of Phantom Thread and saying, hey, that film, I don't know something about it. It's going to be different. It's going to get a bunch of nominations. Everybody kept laughing at me and saying, oh, it's costumes and Dana Day-Lewis. And then it shocked the world. So maybe I'm just putting myself out there on the ledge already. But I think Green Book, we're underestimating this film. Maybe for director and editing, but that's it. Katie? I had lots of thoughts about Green Book. Um, and it, in this year it has no chance at any technicals. Like the film is not visually much to write home about. I mean, it, it's, it's decently shot, but there's nothing in it like widows or Roma or if Beale street could talk first man, like in, in a year with all these kind of technical films, it just doesn't stand a chance because there's nothing to latch onto in it. It's just very workmanlike and it's in how it does its, um, it's technical work in my opinion. Now, I will say this to give a little bit of leeway to Ryan here with this, because I, I too, after seeing Green Book, don't believe it's going to be any kind of a tech player at all. And it's purely going to be above the line. But Three Billboards did get a Best Editing nomination last year. And that still is so weird to me. But at the same time, it is an example, like Ryan was referring to, where when the Academy really loves something... They will give it some coattail nominations. Um, <laughs> La La Land, <laughs> 14 nominations. But I do think, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> if it's any of those, it's going to be sound because of the music. The music yeah. in this uh, is really no. moving. Mm. Yeah, that's an underlined sound nomination. I mean, sound is Ooh. so packed this year. Huh. You know, sounds sounds really packed with you know not just the musicals you know mary poppins and stars born and other but even something like like we've mentioned a quiet place they're going to campaign the snot out of that they're already doing rescreenings of it actually out here in new york with krasinski and blunt Mm -hmm. and they're doing uh academy screenings for it i've heard as well because they're not just going for sound with quiet place they're actually going to try to go for director screenplay emily blunt yeah, they're making a push for it. That makes sense, but I think it's in the sound categories where the film really excels for a, a movie that's about sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. 
You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners. So if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talking about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this stop, minutiae Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And shut up. I wonder shut who the gap can God damn it, shut up. up. I think that's enough. Oh, my God. Go by the Let's move over to some news that hit us this week. And that was the 28th annual Gotham Independent Film Awards. They announced their uh, nominations for 2018. And it officially has kicked off the award season for us. And it's going to be a pretty big sprint all throughout the month of November, especially. And then when we get to December, critics groups and everything else will all start to fall in line. But the Gotham Awards are going to be handed out on November 26th. So that's coming up pretty soon. And what I really, really love about these nominations and something that we talked about a little earlier is that these are the kind of awards that look at the under the radar contenders, the indie films that maybe haven't been seen that much. And they help to give those films and the people involved a bit of a boost for exposure. And like we talk about every year, critics have the ability with their awards to bring something back into the conversation. And last year is a great example where Get Out showed up at the Gotham uh, Award, uh, a Gotham Awards last year with nominations, and it was kind of the first signal that we received that that film was going to be a player in that awards race. So, in looking at the nominations here, you know we have representation for The Favorite, First Reformed, If Beale Street Could Talk, The Wife, Hereditary, Eighth Grade. What are just some things about this that all stood out to you? One thing that uh, I'm just confused by is what constitutes an eligible film here? Uh, Because I would have thought that Roma, because it's in a foreign language, would not be eligible. Well, Roma only did get one uh, nomination for Yelitsia Aparicio for uh, Break Your Actor. Yeah, but that's that's what's curious about it. If, If it was eligible... Where is it? Mm-hmm. Same with Melissa McCarthy. Like, yes. Where yeah. is she? That is, so what I do know about the way that the Gotham Awards are kind of put together is each category has its own separate committee. And it's a small group of New York film critics who determine these. And it's not across the board for all of the categories. So you don't have the same group doing feature and screenplay together. Um, you have basically a different group doing a different category. And that's why sometimes we get kind of scattered shot with the nominations. Because maybe one group liked, you know, Richard E. Grant and they were doing the best actor category. And whoever was doing the best actress category couldn't come to an agreement on McCarthy. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we talked about Black Klansman earlier. I don't understand how Adam Driver got in there for over John David Washington, whose performance is so magnetic and he's virtually in almost every scene of the film. Um, I don't think it's a co-lead. I think driver supporting and, and like Grant, but I mean, like, like you mentioned, Matt, these are small committees and they're, they're, you know, and they basically have to kind of at times combine the supporting actor and the supporting actress into these categories. But driver getting in over Washington, I mean, that could be a narrative where, you know, we see that down the road just for nomination's sake at other places. I think the film that walked away from the Gotham's pretty proudest of itself was first reformed um you know i i i think that that's a film that we 
we have been talking about for a long time with screenplay and then, and then the possibility also of Ethan Hawke getting an uh, Oscar nomination and the feature, uh, you know, getting in the best feature category, which I know I thought I think I saw the stat were only like 30 percent of the best feature nominations end up getting nominated for best picture. So that's good for the favorite. And if Bill Street could talk. But for first reform, this is this is good because then it keeps this in the conversation. And I know what Matt's going to refer to, guys, because I listen to the show. Yes, Tony Collette got nominated. For, <laughs> but hang on. I, I seem to be the resident Debbie Downer today, so I'm just going to burst everybody's bubble. Matt, this is it's OK. It's, this is a dream that's going to happen and it's going to need to fade away, man, because she's not getting nominated for that Oscar but she gets to stay in the conversation, and maybe this means that possibly a Golden Globe nomination. At that point, then, if she gets that, or heaven forbid, SAG, or I think she'll may, she'll probably get in there for Critics' Choice. But if she gets that Globe nomination, then Matt's got something. But at this point, I still don't buy her. I think she's got the Globe nomination. I think SAG is the big hurdle. Yes. Yeah. If yes. she gets in at SAG, at that point, I, I will predict her not as wish. But as a firm, this is happening prediction. And right now, I have her in just to keep it alive because Lord knows that everyone I talk to every single day is trying to tell me that it's just not going to happen. And I refuse to hear it because it is still (laughs) my favorite leading actress performance of the year. Matt, I am 100% behind you on this. I loved Toni Collette and she is totally my – that's who I want to see win even – over Gaga secretly. Oh. Well, another uh, actress contender that did show up here is Glenn Close for The Wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about someone who's had their buzz kind of go back and forth lately. I'm having a hard time reading how this film, and her specifically, is sitting with people because I can't tell if it's a film Twitter thing or if there is actual tangible buzz there. Well, I, I, I've thought about this a lot because I really I, – I do firmly believe that I'll, the majority of her buzz is coming from film Twitter and her really diehard fans because they are really passionate about her getting an Oscar. And they are – it's they're relentless. Like they tweet at me all the time. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I, I've decided – I've gone back and forth. I, she's been as op- – as far as number three in my predictions, but low as far as number seven or eight. I decided to put her in at number four for the time being, but I, I, I it makes me nervous. I don't think she's, I don't think a win is really on the table for her, to be honest. And one thing I want to just say too, I, I'm going to just divert a little bit here. I love that the Gotham Awards, like their jury prize for the best ensemble of the year. I love how the last two years they've done one for Moonlight uh, and last year was the cast of Mudbound. And this year they did uh, the cast for The Favorite. And I, and one mm. thing I just love about these awards each year is I just love how creative they are with let's really reward the best ensemble. Like it, it really like they really are signaling out the best ensemble. But at the same time, it makes so much sense yeah. for types of uh for the types of films that they're going for and um how then because i mean to be honest with you 
there could have been a world where all three actresses from The Favorite took up three of those five slots for Best Actress. And how much fun oh, would that yeah. have been? It would have been crap. Like, so I love the way they did it. Right. So this is a this is a really, really great way um, to kind of spread the wealth, get some other performances in that category. Like Regina Hall for Support the Girls. I, I mean, mm-hmm. Man, she is so great in that. And I just love that she was able to show up, which kind of brings up this point um, that I want to ask everyone. Of the films that you see nominated here, actress, actor, feature, whatever it might be, what is something that showed up that you haven't seen that you are even more curious about or has been on your radar and you just haven't gotten around to it? What's something that you really want to see that showed up here? The writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd like to see Madeline's Madeline. Yeah. Madeline's Madeline for me. Yeah. Madeline's Madeline is the very definition of obscure art house experimental cinema <laughs> man that movie was a trip <laughs> well also too um speaking of experimental i mean sorry to bother you with its two nominations you know for boots riley and then for lakeith stanfield um that's a film that could i mean obviously you know boots riley got it, it stepped in the mud a little bit getting after spike lee uh and then that film's buzz died a little bit i think and kind of hurt him but to see that the Gotham's that could help him, you know, um, Bo Burnham, eighth grade, and the screenplay. You know, um, usually there's, you know, for the first time directors, uh, especially at DGA, at you know Ari Aster for Hereditary. I I tried something recently. I want to just say this because you brought up both uh, eighth grade and uh, we were talking about first reformed a minute ago. I tried to fit both of those in my best original screenplay. Uh, nominations. It's going to be one or the other. And I know it's probably going to be one or the other. I can't imagine both A24 films getting in. But for the time being, I tried to find a way to squeeze both of those in there. And I'm going to ride that wave for a little bit because I can't, for the life of me, see a world where Paul Schrader does not get his first Oscar nomination. And I also refuse to see a world where Eighth Grade does not get a single nomination. So let me guess, Matt. Did you take out Vice? I did because A, I haven't oh. seen it. B, no one has seen it. And C, divisive nature possibility. Well, Ryan, I got a question for you. If you are, and and I guess this is for everybody else, but if closest moving down your list, anyone here that you see? I mean, I saw Private Life a couple of well, last week or a week or a week and a half ago, and. Catherine Hahn's amazing in that film. Yes, she, she is. is so good, along with with Giamatti. They're fantastic. I did not see that film hitting me as hard. But um, what about Elsie Fisher? I mean, no. for eighth grade. I mean, I mean, since I saw it back in January, I have been saying that eighth grade on the table. It's on the table. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. We still have to have those other cards flip. But it's got picture, actress original screenplay and original score on the table it should mm-hmm. have supporting actor for josh hamilton who is absolutely fantastic as her dad but um no and to be clear i i, I stabilized glenn close in my predictions i i have her in that number four until further notice um but, but she is moving down like you said that she could move out of that I, I i agree with you i don't think she's as strong as we're all predicting her to be like and um, the, the bottom line is, you know, people, we still gave 
you know, both Glenn Close's film and Meryl Streep's film in 2011 were rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. And they still chose to give Meryl Streep her third Oscar over giving Glenn, Glenn Close her first. And, you know, they campaigned the hell out of that for her. They really tried to get the narrative started for Glenn Close back then, and it didn't work. And The Wife as a film is not very good. It's for no, coming from a great a source material. It's a really cruddy movie. And mm-hmm. she is literally the she and Price are the only reasons to to watch it. And it's fine. But it's not even highbrow, you know, uh, material like, say, 45 years was that got um, that got in a uh, best actress Charlotte, nomination. Charlotte, Charlotte Rampling. Rampling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just think uh, her fans really want this to happen. And because the bigger films haven't released yet. We're, that's where we're at, and we you know we haven't seen Nicole Kidman in Destroyer. We haven't seen Julia Roberts in Ben Is Back, and those are going to peak at the right time. And you know, come December, will we still be talking about you know this B movie that came out in August? No, we won't. Well, speaking of Nicole Kidman in Destroyer, that is our trailer review for this week here on the episode, and let's take a look at that trailer. Life's crap. Jealous, hungry, scared. I wanna find something decent, something good. You can be better than me. Who is it? No ID, no idea. I know your whole story. Placing our agent undercover, she'll look right enough next to our guy. If we do this, we accept the consequences. Do you love me? You know I do. You chose to play cops and robbers. I'm mad. I'm still mad. It's burned a circuit in my brain. Ryan, was it everything that you hoped for? It was so much better than I was hoping for because this, there's been, <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, I was holding my breath for the longest time. I'm so looking forward to this movie. Nicole is my favorite actress. And this is, this is like a Ryan Showers type of a character. I'm, I was really looking forward to it, but the reviews have been so varied and the reaction has been weird. Some people really love it. Some people really despise it, but the trailer actually had a kind of stabilizing thing where I didn't like it showed to be a very conventional, solid kind of story. And it wasn't the disaster that everybody was painting. And Nicole well, looked extraordinary in it. Let's let's also keep this in mind too. 
the the job of the trailer of the marketing department is to make you think the movie is fantastic. Well, I didn't say it looks fantastic. I think it looks more conventional and just solid than what we were within how everybody painted it as a disaster. But I think that but I think that has been the response. I mean, isn't it still tracking in the 80s on Rotten Tomatoes right now? Yes, it's like 84. I mean, yeah, it's not like a 50s or anything like that. I, I think what the big takeaway here is a lot of us before the film premiered at Telluride had Karen Kusama in director, the screenplay. Some of us had it in for picture, Sebastian Stan. And I think that the reaction to the film has really just muted those expectations. And instead, it's let's make it about Nicole Kidman. Let's make it about the transformation. I wish um, Liam Heffernan, who saw the film um, at the uh, London Film Festival, I really wish he was here to talk more about it because he's seen it. And he's the only one, I think, on the team here that has seen it so far. And he pointed out to me that Nicole Kidman is extraordinary and that it's quite possibly the best work of her career. And I think that the trailer and the quotes that they pulled for it, it all centered around her. Mm -hmm. And that's what they just need to be going with at this point. And to your point, Ryan, it it could just be like like the wife. So-so movie, great performance. And but the difference between the wife and destroyer is destroyer is going to hit at the right time. The peak is going to happen right before Oscar voting. And Nicole has boy erased, and there's a transformational aspect to it. I think I, I don't know. I think she will is looking better for a nomination than what a lot of people are giving her credit for. All right, what do you think, Katie? I'm still holding out hope for uh, Karen Kusama. Honestly, I love her, and I think she's a great director. So I'm. I'm looking at pie in the sky here and and hoping that it it can pull it off at least for a nomination or some some recognition for Kusama. I I think that uh, the trailer was smart. It's uh, leading with its strong suits. I mean, personally, I am anxious to see the second trailer because I want to see more of Sebastian Stan and Toby Kebbell and uh, Tatiana Maslany. Uh, you know, people we like, and, because the, I'm very curious about how big a part they have in this. Uh, but but I think it's a very smart trailer for a campaign. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Uh, you know, I said this to Ryan kind of jokingly after the trailer dropped, and that was, if you had told me that this was a trailer for HBO's new season of True Detective, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought twice about it at all. <laughs> I got to say, like, I was definitely I was definitely impressed with the look of the film. There were some shots that really, really grabbed me. Mm -hmm. And I've been hearing some rumblings uh, from those who have seen it that the score for the film is also possibly a contender that a lot of us don't see coming. Well, Matt, if you look, I actually read. uh, So I was bored one night and I read a lot of the user reviews on um, on Letterboxd for Destroyer and 75 percent of them mentioned the music in a very positive way yeah like so i think that it is worth talking about and it's it, i mean i don't know if it could really materialize maybe it would get a globe nomination um maybe not oscar i don't know but i think that destroyer is going to play a little better than what we're all expecting and there annapurna is doing a really good job at campaigning for nicole for this film like you know they've hit the major festivals they she's going to have an afi tribute you know, specifically mm-hmm. for her, they marketed the trailer, you know, they, they mounted it for a Best Actress nomination as a vehicle. I mean, and Nicole's a great campaigner. So I think 
you know, we'll, I think it's a lot stronger than just the, the genre piece that everyone was writing it off to be after Telluride. I cannot wait to say that to you. It's a lot stronger than the genre piece that people wrote it off to be when Tony <laughs> Collette gets that Oscar nomination. <laughs> Well, hey, you know what? There could be two this year. There could be two. There could be two. But there can only be one. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, This is a follow-up question that we received uh, for this week's episode from David Mitchell Baker, and it does tie into Destroyer. How likely do you think it is that this year's Best Director lineup is all-male, all-white again? Well, I will say say this. Um, Alfonso Cuaron takes out the white aspect of it all yep and barry jenkins is in there yeah steve mcqueen is in there yeah so i mean like coogler in terms of like whiteness let's take that off the table Mm -hmm. dudes though (sighs) dudes it'll be all dudes it's gonna be it's going to be all dudes i I hate it's gonna be all dudes um look last year i know you know the me too movement and everything and this is an unpopular opinion but I felt kind of bad for Guillermo del Toro a little bit because every when he wanted the Globes and when he wanted the Oscars, um, what was it, Natalie Portman and then Emma Stone, they they made it, you know, they made it seem like a white guy was winning. You know what I mean? Um, and it was actually like a really touching moment for Guillermo. And I and I don't think and I don't think um they meant anything bad by it. I think it, they're they're talking about the problem, which is what we're mentioning right now, which is there aren't enough big Oscar films that are going to break through for a female in the best director slot. And that's a damn shame because yeah. I think of a film like Leave No Trace that is one of the most beautiful, best directed films I've seen this year. And she's not going to show up. Private Life. Yeah, Private Life, which is very, you know, well, Private Life, Private Life to me is kind of like a, a Bombach film. You know what I mean? Or even like, let's say it, even like Greta Gerwig. You know, it's a very intimate film. It's a character, you know, piece. You know, New York, uh, New York, exactly. And then, uh, you know, and I've seen "Can You Ever Forgive Me?" Yeah, and yeah. I think Marielle Heller's work in it is, if not better than what, because you know, we were talking about Green Book before and Peter Farrelly. Like Marielle Heller does like this, the same thing, where it's not really flashy direction it focuses on the performances and on the writing and the movie's got a good pace and it never Mm -hmm. slogs or anything like that and if tom mccarthy can get in for spotlight for example Mm -hmm. with that kind of direction then like why are we not considering marielle heller and why are we instead launching uh peter farley for green book like I, i just don't understand how this all sort of just tends to kind of happen almost you know what i mean when i saw uh can you ever forgive me this week i was struck by the intimacy of it which also reminded me of the intimacy of private life Mm -hmm. and uh i'm just wondering when that kind of film can break into a a category that seems to uh reward the splashy well uh greta Gerwig did it last year with lady bird in my opinion yes but that but that's such a but lady bird I love Lady Bird. I think I think a lot of people love Lady Bird. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, and I think the reason why that film hit so so hard is because they A twenty four played that. It was A twenty four, correct? Um, played that so well. That was their movie for the year, 
and we we talk about you know Fox Searchlight. They you know they have a lot of films, and then you know Annapurna's got a bunch of films, and you know we mentioned with Destroyer, Annapurna's moving Nicole. I think that the reason why they're only moving Nicole is because they have Beale Street. You know what I mean? And that's going to be their big push. You know, and that's a company that's struggling right now, obviously. So they're gonna just gonna have to push things in a certain place for one film and. That whole picture movement for Barry and, and the film is going to be their big push. And I think Nicole's going to be the big push for just Destroyer and the makeup, which is which is a shame. I want to just point out, like, you know, Barry Jenkins, Spike Lee, Alfonso Cuaron, Kugler, like all these names that we mentioned before, um, they're all in the conversation. And it is going to produce a diverse lineup this year. We also, like... I just don't want to give up hope on this just yet. Mary Queen of Scots. Mm-mm. Maybe. Yes? No? Yes. Uh, that second trailer kind of helped me a little bit with my confidence. Well, it, the second trailer really made me feel like this was a real film uh, in the sense mm-hmm. that it's, it's not just an acting showcase for the two leads. Uh, but, uh, and the, the Academy has shown that they fall for pictures like this. So I wouldn't rule it out. It maybe rule it out in terms of direction, given that, given the competition in that particular category, but certainly costumes and makeup mm. and score and score. Yeah. yeah. Score. Yeah. So I think it will be a below the line contender minus maybe Margot Robbie. Okay. I mean, I mean also just one quick thing, uh, man, is that it, is that this week we had the Jason Blum comments and with this conversation, and I know he went out and apologized and went out, you know, but I, and I kind of felt like the, don't say the initial thing and then you don't have to apologize, you know, go get those female directors for your horror films or whatever kind of films. Cause he doesn't just do horror films. You know, you didn't, you know, you produce whiplash as well. Um, though some consider whiplash to be a horror film as well. Didn't they, <laughs> didn't they also Simmons. do black Klansman this year too? Ooh. Yes, yes, I believe so. I believe so. But his his comments are exactly what we're, what I'm talking about is that give them opportunities. Stop saying that you will, stop saying that you won't. Female female body it's the same argument we that you know, the African American community and the Hispanic community in, made uh, a couple years ago with the Oscars so white category. It's that we go to the movies too. Women go to the movies too. So give them the chance to make something like First Man or like uh, A Star is Born or like Roma. Give them the the leeway, the blank checks to go out and make something artistically creative and, and, and genre changing like those films. So then, you know, because honestly, that's the only way this is going to get fixed. And – you know, I think since the Oscar So White campaign, we've moved we've moved to where like this year we're talking about it's going to be a very d- diverse lineup. It's just going to be a very diverse men lineup, and that's where it needs to change. I think that you know, Oscar So White was a hashtag. Let's remember this too. That, that was kind of a trending topic before Me Too came along, and I do believe that in the years since then, even though we did have two years of it in a row back to back, in the years since then, um, there have definitely been. Um, great improvement, I would say, since then, uh, in terms of the diversification of the nominees. I do believe 
that in like the sense of one issue at a time, um, I do believe that you're going to see, and yes, it may not be able to continue this year after last year um, with Greta getting in for uh, Lady Bird, but I do believe that these conversations will continue. It'll be of top of mind for a lot of people as we, you know, keep moving forward. And it will be slow, but I do believe we're going to get there. I mean, Chloe Zhao, who directed The Writer, yeah. um, was selected to uh, direct uh, Marvel's uh, film The Internals. Uh, and it's it's going to take time. It's not going to happen, unfortunately, overnight. And I, I think that that's... I think that's what everybody wants and everybody is hoping for. Uh, but this is a very systemic issue that even goes beyond Hollywood. And that's not something that gets changed overnight, unfortunately. That's a good point, Matt. That well, spe- well said. All right. Let's uh, finish her off now uh, with my favorite topic every single week. And that is talking about the polls. Let's discuss the winners from last week and what is the new poll for this week. So... Last week's poll, we asked everyone, which is their favorite horror movie musical score? And this was pertaining to the latest uh, version, film, whatever, installment in the franchise for Halloween, directed by David Gordon Green, which we have a review for. Uh, We all shared a lot of thoughts on that, didn't we, Ryan? We did. And Katie as well. We had so many thoughts. Yeah. So many thoughts. (laughs) So the question I have now is looking at the list. You know, we've got so many. Alien, The Exorcist, Jaws, Poltergeist, Saw. Favorite horror movie score. Ryan, let's start off with you. And by Ryan, I mean guest Ryan. Um, favorite horror movie score. Ooh, I'd say Halloween. It's the one of the most iconic scores. But if you can count it, I would say Jaws. Jaws. If you can, if you can count. Some people count it as a horror film. Some people don't. Um, but Jaws or... But my pick would be Halloween. Okay. Of Ryan. Um, Halloween, Psycho, and Scream in that order. And I think Halloween will win. Okay. Katie. I, I'm getting on board for Halloween again, but I do want to uh, bring up my runner up, which is uh, Carpenter Score for the Thing. Hmm. Nice. Cool. Tom. Uh, I had been uh, uh, wanting to vote for Bernard Herman's score for Psycho, but I saw. The hit trailer for Halloween, it's like, oh, there's no question. So I'd say Halloween for both. Okay. Well, I would say, you know, I'm going to be weird. And I, because I, I, I just love it. I haven't stopped listening to it since I saw the movie. I really love the new score for the new Halloween so much. <laughs> I love it's it. A really, it's a really good update. Yeah. It's really good. So I'll just say that for now. Why the hell not? It wasn't even a choice on the list, but whatever. Okay, so in fifth place, we have a tie. It's actually a four-way tie between The Thing, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and It Follows. All of them tied for fifth place. In fourth place, we have another tie with The Shining and The Exorcist. Top three. In third place is Jaws, and that leaves two. In second place is Psycho, and in first place is Halloween. <laughs> yeah. And we had some write-ins, too. Um, we did have some write-ins for Hereditary. We had a write-in for It. We had a write-in for Christine, Bram uh, Stoker's Dracula, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Someone got creative and said The Passion of the Christ, <laughs> which <laughs> I okay. appreciate when we get uh, you know, write-ins like this sometimes, but it's not a horror film. <laughs> Hey, 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 h
Scream did get votes, but it didn't get enough votes to crack the uh, okay. top five. Unfortunately, it was right outside the top five in sixth place. I, okay. I, I just want to give kudos to the voters because It Follows is a terrific movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great score, too. Okay, so now for this week's poll, looking at another kind of horror film, in a way. I can't wait for you all to see this, by the way. Suspiria. We are asking everyone for this week, the goddess, the chameleon, Academy Award winner, Tilda Swinton. Love her. What is your favorite performance by Tilda Swinton? Um, Mine is in a movie from 2009 called Julia. Um, It was a little scene film, but she is, she gives a monstrous performance. Uh, I, I have to echo that. She's incredible in that movie. What about what about you, Ryan? I love her in Snowpiercer. I think she's so good. She's she, transformational, obviously. I mean, that's that's I think the quintessential thing about a Tilda Swinton performance is that it's never the same thing, and it's never dull, and it's it's always something new. Um, and that film, I I love that film, and she's one of the big reasons why she looks like she's having so much fun uh being that evil character um but then also i know this is uh, a film that a lot of people because it came out from the great year 2007 and um and but her oscar-winning performance for michael clayton is very good i think she's very good in that film i i'm a big defender of that film i like it a lot and she was uh my best supporting actress winner of that year. Cause I just, I loved her so much in that film. So Snowpiercer and, and then followed by Michael Clayton. Okay. Katie. Um, I would say Snowpiercer is my number one, just like Ryan. I, I loved that, her performance in that. Uh, but I do also think she's really fantastic in Okja. I think mm-hmm. her and, um, director Bong Joon-ho do amazing work together. And I, I would watch any movie that they do together. Uh, but in Okja, she really gets an opportunity to do two different performances and it works like gangbusters. So I, she's one of my favorites. And I think that role is one of the more interesting ones to watch. Wait till you see what she does in Suspiria. <laughs> so excited. Uh, Tom. Actually, she's, she, and these are my two runners up. Uh, she does double twin work because she also plays twins or sisters in Hail Caesar mm-hmm. as, as rival gossip columnists. And she's so fabulous in that as one duels the other for in terms of their uh, readership. And of course, Okja. Okja I mean, the, 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 two, the two there are just marvelous. But I would go along with the group. Uh, I, she's just fabulous in Snowpiercer. And the, the fact that she manages to get around those teeth is remarkable <laughs> in and of itself. <laughs> the teeth were her idea, by the way. That I, was that was all her idea. Yeah, totally would be. Oh, yeah. Bung, Bung Jun Ho had to like have her tone it down because she brought all these ideas to it. And he was like, OK, yes, yes. No, too far, too far. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about her uh, my favorite performance by her is probably we need to talk about Kevin oh thank god you said that which still breaks my heart every time I watch it yeah, it's yeah. that is that is truly haunting and masterful work from her um, the likes of which it just has the ability to make my skin just turn incredibly pale and drop my blood level and I mean like 
Oh, just a. Uh, I, I can't. I can't even put it into words, honestly, how amazing I think she is in that movie. But it just it, no one no one said it, and I kind of just wanted to throw it out there because it is one of those transformative. Holy crap! I didn't even know it was her performances. Train wreck. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> she's she's something else in train wreck. She's something else in general. I, I mean, like I've heard some people say that she's like the female Gary Oldman, and that she just she just it, like every single role is so different. Whether it's personality or if it's makeup, just the transformation uh, that she goes through, and like. She, I, I, I don't know why we don't praise her enough because I really don't feel like we do. I think she's one of our greatest living actresses, and she, she, she should be cast in everything because she has proven time and time again that she can do anything, yeah. any role, whether she's playing a ninety-eight-year-old woman in mm-hmm. Grand Budapest Hotel or you know with the fake teeth and uh, Snowpiercer. I mean, she could do it all, man. There is one film I think that is very under the radar, and it's only Lovers Left Alive. Oh, yeah. Her and Hiddleston in that film, yeah. to me. Is, they're so good. And that's one of those films that we don't talk enough about her in that film. She's so good in that. I know, you know, a, a bigger splash if you're looking for her and Luca, you know, to get in the mood for Suspiria. She's very good in that, but Only Lovers Left Alive. I, I saw that movie in theaters, and then I, I immediately bought it, and I watched it uh, over and over again. That was one of my top ten films of that year, It's and, and it's criminally underrated. We need to, like, next time she gets, like, the right project, we we really need to campaign for her to get a lead actress Oscar. Yeah. Just throwing yeah. that out there. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to uh, throw uh, a title that's over 25 years old, uh, Orlando by Sally mm-hmm. Potter. I haven't seen that, but I heard she's so good in it. She's astonishing in this. Oh, oh. to to be uh, uh, Tilda Swinton completist, which is impossible because she's in so much. Uh, but that's a, that's a, that's one to definitely take a look at. Oh, okay. I'm definitely gonna write it down. I'm gonna see if I can find it streaming somewhere online. If anything, oh man, can we just we're gonna do a whole episode dedicated to Tilda one day? We oh. really could. So on board. <laughs> oh, I mean, the deep end. Oh, geez, adaptation. Oh, she's she's everywhere, and she's wonderful. Absolutely. Well, uh, who here is planning on seeing Suspiria? I already oh. have my tickets. Me. Nice, nice. I can't. I listen, guys. It's our review for this upcoming uh, week here on the Next Best Picture podcast, and oh man, do I have some thoughts about this one? Do I have some thoughts? <laughs> this is this is this is a whole lot of movie, people. Believe me. <laughs> I just am so I'm so excited to see the film, but I'm I'm really really excited to hear the Tom York score. I'm just really excited to hear it's, that. It's one of my favorite scores of the year. It's so good. Well, I, anyway, I'm not gonna just keep going on and on about how great Suspiria is. Find out for yourself when it arrives in theaters. Head on over to nextbestpicture.com. Vote in our polls. Let us know what you think is your favorite. Or best, whatever you want to interpret the question as, Tilda Swinton performance. Head on over there and vote. All right, everyone. So with that said, that's pretty much going to wrap up uh, this week's episode here on the podcast. Ryan McQuaid, thank you so much for joining us this week. It was a pleasure to have you on, sir, and to talk a little bit about the Oscar race with you. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's It's been a long time coming. Um, but uh, I, I promise I won't be a stranger. Hopefully maybe get some of you guys come back on, Tom. 
Ryan, right. Katie, Matt, and you're more than welcome to come on my show. And I'd, I'd love to come back on, keep talking through uh, the Oscar season with you guys. Absolutely. Tell everyone where they can find you online, sir. They can find me on Twitter at Ryan McQuaid 77. I, I write reviews for In Session Film, um, which is InSessionFilm.com. I do extra film with Jay Ledbetter or Brendan Cassidy or J.D. Durant. Uh, every, you know, they, those episodes release every Friday. Sometimes I'll be on the main show um, when the one of the main hosts are, are sick or, or got other things they need to do. Um, but then also I have Chasing the Gold, and it's a uh, you know twice a month we talk about the Oscars, and it's a you know, we t- mentioned it at the top of the show. But um, so yeah, that's where you guys can find me. Oh oh, and also the filmography fo- uh, podcast on the. Uh, film inquiry network um, where we are talking about Guy Ritchie films uh, right, right now. And uh, I, I, I don't want to have to go watch some of these films, but uh, I'm being, being forced to watch them. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us this week, sir. And Hey, enjoy your honeymoon. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, we're not doing the honeymoon until about, January or February, try to get through the holidays. But yes, when whenever that is, um, you know, that'll be a good week off from from the world. Right in the middle of the thick of it, right, guys? Well, in any event, <laughs> congratulations, sir. All right, Ryan C. Showers. Tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. At Ryan C. Showers. Katie Schaefer. You can find me at KT underscore Schaefer on Twitter. And Tom O'Brien. You can find me at Thomas E. O'Brien. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 113 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, CastBox, Acast, and now most recently on Spotify. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and support there. And speaking of support, if you head on over to our Patreon page for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. We shall see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.